Hi, I'm Harini. Hi, I'm Camille. And welcome back to the News Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to the News Podcast. In this episode, I'm very lucky to be talking to my good friend Charlie Summers. Hi, I'm Charlie. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking a little bit about trans rights in the feminist community. Um, And so I think that actually might be, that could be a good place to start, which is what do you think... Well, no, not really what do you think is the role of trans people in the feminist community, but how has it been impacted? How does it affect the trans community, the way that it's sort of dealt with, and what can we do better? Um, I don't know. On a personal level, I've always felt like my relationship with feminism has like changed a lot during my transition, and I've always felt a bit awkward about it because like, as a trans male, I obviously have a lot of those experiences that feminists will talk about like uh feeling unsafe while walking down the street or like the socialization of being raised as like as like female and having like I remember my mum talking to me and my twin and giving us all the like stuff about weight and a lifetime on the hips and and all the classic like socialization of, of being a girl and then as I've transitioned and become more outwardly male and in certain spaces not been so openly trans, I felt very awkward about talking about feminist things and giving that sort of perspective of someone who has like experienced a lot of things that are topics that feminists will talk about. Being able to talk about that quite so openly through my own experiences without outing myself. But I think in general, the relation of the trans community to feminism tends to be pretty good. I think generally as they're too, um, I don't really want to say left-wing because I don't really like to politicise things like that, but I guess I guess uh, you'd say woke or whatever. I think they tend to agree on a lot of things about the patriarchy and the damaging role of gender roles. Um, and there's a lot of crossover between the two. And generally it feels pretty good for people of our generation. It feels, you, you feel pretty happy to be, feminist and it feels like quite a normal thing to be and not many people raise their eyebrows at a trans person in our generation at least that's definitely good to hear I feel like with everything going on with first of all I mean going back to the beginning of the JK Rowling debate and then all the way actually recently Charlie and I's college at university has an interesting relationship with this for having uh, invited itself to come and speak purely to the med and biology students about dissuading people from getting gender-affirming surgery which yes 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 at the university of cambridge yes Um, it was like that third event of that sort of like yeah yeah yes it was (laughs) yes it was but all it was so eerie as well to just target it at the med students essentially like it wasn't even like a ever because the the way that they were positioning it was as the University of Was Cambridge, it? like, it's really important that we're very open, like, we have philosophical debates where both sides are represented and, like, freedom of speech, blah, blah, blah. But you didn't open it for the philosophy students. You're not targeting it at, like, all even all of the students from every faculty. You're literally, you ask the med students to go to a talk about, like, reaffirming surgery in which the stance of the person speaking was completely anti. That is, I, that's horrible. That's, I literally have no words. That's so bad. It's Yep, yes it is. Um, So that's why like, I'm glad to hear you say that at least like the general experience of trans people um, is that they are accepted by feminism because that is crucial. Um, And so I'm glad that these other women who call themselves feminists have not like taken over the, 
the discourse too much. They've yeah, not the narrative. polluted the movement. Yeah. yeah. If you wouldn't mind, would like just for our viewers, would you mind explaining your transition story and how how that went and if there were any challenges that you faced? Yeah. So I'm I'm from like a really rural place uh, near in Oxfordshire. Um, so I was like growing up in a tiny village and going to a school of like 2000 students. Um, and so I, it was not like I was getting much exposure to LGBT things, um, except for through social media. Yep. So I think I was sort of introduced to it a lot through social media and I had always felt quite like upset. I think as a kid. I was always like labeled a tomboy um, and I struggled a lot as a kid to like, I moved to school halfway through and I struggled with friend groups and where I fit in with the boys friend group or the girls friend group um, and found that all quite difficult. And that, that continued on into secondary school. Um, and you could see like my unease with it materialize in a lot of like quite negative mental health ways. I spent a long time in, in counseling starting from year six and ending in, year 13 and I still like regularly go and visit counsellors um uh so you could definitely see this unease and I think from year eight I started identifying with different LGBT labels and kind of experimenting a lot and at first I was focusing a lot on my sexuality um and sort of trying out different labels I had friends at the time who were also doing a similar thing um <laughs> so uh it was it was it was a lot of like experimentation and sort of uh calling myself genderqueer or bisexual pansexual um and giving myself these different labels and basically deciding how I felt from there and I quickly realized that that didn't didn't work for my sexuality at all I couldn't yeah. put a pin on it but for my gender I felt quite happy uh, I sort of started with like gender queer and gender fluid, and settled pretty quickly into no, I'm no, I'm trans. I'm I'm binary trans. I'm a trans man, and sort of settled into that and kept that to myself for a couple of years. Um, like a few people in the school knew, but I came out in 2018, which must have been when I was in year 10, I think. Um. And that was after having come out to my parents twice, once in a therapy session um, with my dad. Um, and my dad had a very like laissez-faire attitude to it, where he's like, you just be what you want to be, uh, but I don't really see why you have to change anything. Like you just, you just mm -hmm. act how you want to act. Um, and he really just didn't really know what he was talking about and, and meant the best and just didn't really understand that things like medical intervention and like change or even just like a social transition like changing your pronouns are really important to like making you like feel at ease with your body um and feel at ease with your identity um whereas my mum had a much more my mum's a teacher so she'd had a lot of interaction with with um I don't know she'd talk a lot about like how much more popular being trans was becoming and how there are way more trans students and she'd talk a lot about it um and and sort of talk about it as if it was a fad so she was a lot aware of it and was more willing to talk about it but I think in quite a 
a negative way coming from quite a conservative upbringing um so I came out to them once and nothing really changed um and then about six months later I came out to them again and said this is this is my name these are the pronouns I want to use and they kind of got the message that time and uh like messaged the school and things and I changed in school and I got referred to the Tavistock Gender Clinic in April 2018 um and since then it's sort of been like a lot of social transitioning um I've started more regularly wearing binders which started out in year eight by borrowing my friends really really way too small for me binder and trying on in the school bathrooms but eventually I was able to like buy my own um and my friends started using my pronouns and then when I moved to university I didn't need to like turn around as trans and when I first moved there, I didn't really want to. I wanted to go stealth, as people say. Um, uh, but I realized that didn't really work for me because like I was saying earlier about feminism, I have things that I can't change about myself. Like the fact I was raised and socialized female, it does mean that I act like differently to a lot of like my male friends um, and have different perspectives on things. Uh, so it's all kind of changed a lot and um I ended up going private in my first year of university to get hormones um because I was just quite frustrated that I hadn't had anything from the waiting list having been on it for three years by that point and um having seen a lot of my friends go through transitions and be a lot happier and um and so I was lucky enough to like be able to afford to go through private uh to get hormones um and it was this year a few months ago this year that I was finally accepted into the Tavistock waiting list um and I've had a few appointments with them uh so yeah that's my whole transition told in a very like messy disordered way but yeah no it was very chronological it was very organized <laughs> no but I'm I'm shocked that you would have to wait for three years like yeah it was five years long, total like, yeah that's crazy yeah. that's so long that's ridiculous yeah. I was actually thinking just about the NHS thing and then I think there's like loads of other questions that that we can also ask the person from that because it's really interesting yeah. but um, I was curious um, about buying, being able to buy yourself a binder. Where do can people get them from? Can you they be subsidised by the NHS? Are they expensive? They they are expensive. Uh, that was the first thing I found out when I was first buying them. You there was only really two companies. You could either get like really really bad ones off Amazon that were probably quite damaging. So there are like a lot of ways to bind and only really some of them are safe. So things like binding tape uh, are really bad and mean mean that you're like, you can bruise your ribs and things. And there's a lot of like safe binding practices that you have to follow. So there's loads of binders you can get for cheap on Amazon, but they will probably like mess up your ribs and um, it could mean that you'll have longer longer term issues in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, So to get a good, like semi-safe binder, safe as they can get, uh, when I was first buying binders, there were only two companies um, which were both based in the US. So I remember the first binder I bought, I had to get it sent to my friend's address 
And then we had this whole palaver with the shipping uh, where we had to send like loads of money to to the shipping so that we could to border control or something so we could get it into the country. And uh, I was having to do this all through my friend because I couldn't use my own address. Mm. Um, but now it's much better. And there's a there's a company in the UK called Spectrum Outfitters, which I, I find really good. Um, and obviously being in the UK is quite nice for like good delivery when I'm living there. Um, and that's about 40 pounds per per binder um and you have to sort of replace them every year year and a half or so um yeah another thing you mentioned when you were talking about your story that I thought was really interesting and we've spoken a lot about on this podcast but is very personal so only share what you're comfortable with sharing um was the mental health aspect because I think sometimes we don't acknowledge it as much like the amount of like strain that goes through like negotiating your identity I mean at at any age but also especially being so young um and going through that um how much like how much support did you get how 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 did that work like did you did you feel supported um I was really lucky well in in I always say oh I was really lucky because I went to a school with great pastoral support and then the end of that sentence is I went to a school with great pastoral support because two people killed themselves before I was there um, uh, which is a bit miserable, but um, but looking back to like how my mental health related to my gender, because when I was a teenager, I was really, I was really against saying that like I was very anxious. I definitely have anxiety, and I still have anxiety, and I definitely had depression in my teenage years. Um, but I was very against saying that was related to my gender when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. When I'd go to counsellors, I'd sort of focus a lot more on the, like, um, environmental symptoms rather than, like, what was actually going on as part of my identity. Um, but, like, looking back on it now, I can see a lot of it was caused by my gender and my relation to myself and uh, how I felt felt about myself um uh because looking back on it the first sign really that I was transgender was when I cut my hair and the first time I cut my hair was in year three uh which is ridiculous to think about Mm. um and we used to get a hairdresser um who would come to our house and cut all my family's family members hair and I'd always ask to like get them really short my mum would always say no not above the ears and so, so I took it upon myself as like, was an eight year old when I was in year three to to cut my hair above my ears. Um, so it's obvious now that like I've always had like, um, an issue with my gender and sort of an unease with with my biological sex. Um, but I was unwilling to see how that affected my mental health as a teenager. But I think it did. It, it made me feel uncomfortable about who I was in that I didn't fit into different social groups in the way a lot of my peers did and seemingly so easily they seemed to fit into these social groups. I have a twin sister who was quite popular. She got on really well with all her friends. Um, and I think I just found it a lot more difficult because I couldn't get on with like the girls and I couldn't get on with the boys either um and a lot of my friends were 
LGBT and a lot of my friends were also online. Um, so I think it did just, it reflected a lot back on how I felt about myself and um, like made me feel just uh, like I didn't realize at the time that it was my gender that was limiting me, but I think how people took my gender and saw that I wasn't really girly and I wasn't really boyish meant that it became quite difficult to like find a good place um, in school and make friends easily, uh, which of course then led me to have like quite low self-esteem and and not really be very socialized well so yeah 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 I think it's interesting definitely the socialization aspect of it because like I feel like so many of these things and correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like so many things would be easier if we didn't live in such like a structure in terms of like the patriarchy like if it wasn't there if we didn't have like all these obsessions over socializing men and women differently and our daughters and sons differently like all of that would have been so much easier yeah 100%. from like you get your hair cut above your ears to being able to fit into any friendship group you wanted because there wouldn't be any difference between being friends with the girls or being the boys like it's yeah 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 it definitely got easier as we like became teenagers um so by like year 10 I had quite a stable friend group and was lucky to have a mixed friend group I remember talking to a friend when we started uni and her saying that loads of her friends had never had a mixed friend group before and had always been in like a boys friend group or a girls friend group and I found that really odd because I'd been in a mixed friend group um since like GCSEs um so I think I was quite lucky for that but it definitely did affect me a lot when it was all very like um separated mm, no that makes sense I was curious about something that you said earlier actually speaking of having separated friends groups which was that you were saying that even now sometimes you feel like you have a different um a different opinions of things that your male friends and like obviously a different perspective makes complete sense I was wondering like could you give an example of something that you have like a different opinion on because I like I can know I can kind of imagine but like I don't know if I'm assuming wrong just because like you were talking um earlier about things like understanding when women are uncomfortable walking home alone at night and things like that because like you've done it you've been there um, so like is it that kind of thing that you'd have difference of opinions on or is it like like very feminist things or all the way down to like day-to-day how to treat people or how living your life and things like that I think it yeah on all of on all three of those points it does like it definitely comes across so I think sometimes I feel like the way I was socialized at home and my parents were always very like they would always say, oh, we never asked more of your, like less of your brother than we asked of you. But it always felt quite gendered in my house that they'd ask more from my sister than they would from from my brother mm. um, in yeah. terms of like clearing the table. And their, their excuse would always be, well, well, he'll do, he won't do it. He'll just complain. And I was like, well, I could complain too, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So I think like, because so for example this year I lived alone and I lived in a flat alone and was quite messy and would like tidy up maybe once a week after having like made a big mess in the kitchen and not having any clean dishes left um and then since starting a relationship I realized I was much more tidy than the guy I was going out with because I think I feel when there's another person involved I have a lot more responsibility to like keep things clean keep things tidy um like is on me to do that and I don't 
and I don't think he thought about it in the same way that I did um I was like this is something that needs to be done and I don't think he was like expecting me to do it because of any like gendered ideas or anything um but it was just kind of I don't know it felt it felt very like oh I've been raised to be like the person who does like the house um tidying and things um yeah yeah and then in terms of like walking alone and stuff that definitely does um come up I think I've definitely like felt more unsafe on the street and been with male friends who don't like realize uh, why I'm on high alert or I have a friend who's walking home and like I'll go with her or something but with if I'm like leaving a male friend group they won't think of that sort of thing um and you do like notice the differences I think I think in terms of toxic masculinity it's really clear that I've been socialized differently uh it's also helped by the fact I've had lots of therapy but I definitely notice the difference between how I deal with my emotions in comparison to other men and I found it odd when forming my own friendships how little they like think about their own feelings or the feelings of their friends and when they have feelings they just choose not to um deal with them because they haven't really been raised to deal with them they've been raised to ignore them um which is something I can't do and I think it's probably likely due to my female socialization uh and it's definitely something I notice a lot when interacting with cis men yeah yeah that's so interesting because it's a unique it's such a unique perspective like I, like we wouldn't have thought about it before um you also kind of mentioned um like being grateful and lucky that like we're in the uk um and camille mentioned before um the meeting started that you're uh in vienna yeah, like, yeah. doing your year abroad um what's kind of the difference then between like I guess like the trans experience like in the UK and difficulties and maybe the positives here versus uh, yeah in Europe. If I'm actually well, before Vienna like to answer, to immediately chip in and interrupt. <laughs> um the reason we were talking about it before uh, the meeting was actually because we were I was well, I was mentioning the whole like the toilet debate thing because in the university in I mean shout out to them in Freie Universität in Berlin and now in Sciences Po in Paris both of them are universities that have primarily like largely uh, gender neutral toilets and no one bats an eyelid about it like they're just they don't have anything on the door it just has a little toilet sign and it's used by like any and all students um as much of, of any gender so that's why we mentioned the difference between europe and well continental europe uh and the uk um but yeah anyway sorry i'll sit back and I'll actually let you answer the question um yeah well i don't really know about, particularly about vienna to be honest i haven't really exposed myself very much to Vienna and like I haven't really met that many people here yet um uh but I I would say it's it's always quite weird as a trans person going into a new city and when I was looking for housing and stuff it was definitely one of my concerns and so housing in Vienna was very like friend-based um like you'd be you'd be asking for a place by messaging the other tenants who were already there and they were obviously looking for someone who would fit in well with their like um roommate style and so it was like kind of a personality test um and when I was messaging all these people um it would always be like really good to see 
like LGBT friendly or whatever on there. Um, and I remember talking to someone when I was a, when I was like applying for their spare room um, and asking how like friendly it was, uh, the city was for, for LGBT people. And I think that is like a concern that people don't realize you, you, you do have to be thinking about. And I came home with my boyfriend and it was kind of odd. Uh, we weren't really sure how much, like how open we could be. Um, but generally it's been okay. And I live quite close to the university. So it's all quite liberal and young, uh, which sort of, I don't know, always gives me the illusion of being safer, uh, whether it actually is or not. Um, and I haven't really had any issues. Um, uh, and I can't really say anything on public bathrooms because I haven't used any yet, but um, yeah, I guess that's what I could say. No, that makes a lot of sense, definitely. Actually, even just like a small thing, uh, like I apologize again for chipping in at the beginning of the question, but um, talking about what you were talking about, um, socialization, I think it's actually been really, I don't, I don't know if really you've had the same like impression, but it is almost like, I think it's the first time in a long time that I've spoken to a man and not been interrupted. Like the fuck, right? Oh it was God, when, yeah. it was, I really I noticed that when I was just like, oh, like just to chip in. And then like you waited till I was done and then started speaking and I was still speaking and I was like, why is he not interrupting me? <laughs> so I think to back up your own point about socialization, clearly it like, yeah, I mean, the evidence is there. Um no, but actually on that point, like from your perspective, ha we've had an episode before on how we can try and bring more men into the feminist community and I think sometimes bridging that gap in understanding women's issues um, without ever having experienced anything like that is is sometimes quite challenging um, from your perspective like 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 what's your opinion on that or like how could we as a feminist community kind of like combat it I don't really know I think it's kind of I don't know this is a really lazy answer but it's kind of just up to the men um I get really and I so agree I just I just wanted to know if it was a different I get answer. really annoyed when people are like oh men should care about feminism because they have like a wife and a daughter and also affects them too because like 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 obviously the patriarchy affects men in that they're being given these really like high um expectations and the the suicide rate is really high among men but I don't think that's the only reason why they should be caring about feminism I think they also should be seeing one in three women getting sexually assaulted and want to do something about that like like that's horrific we shouldn't have to be like socializing them in a different way or exposing them more than um them just having some basic human decency I think <laughs> this is actually really yeah, I know I know it's a breath of fresh air honestly no I totally agree with you yeah I think that's all of the questions that I personally wants to ask. And we've got two minutes 50 left on the meeting anyways. Um, Harini, was there anything else you wanted to ask? No, actually, but was there anything, Charlie, that you wanted to talk about or that came up that you wanted to say? Yeah, I wanted to, before? you were asking about the bathroom situation and I wanted to say about Cambridge and our college mm -hmm. keys. And I always thought it was a myth because there's like um, the gate, the gate of, uh the gate of necessity uh which is just a funny joke because that's where the toilets are and they they were all those toilets I went to use because there was a disabled blue there 
um, and the other ones that were near, like the dining hall, were really cramped and small and a bit rubbish. So I always went to use the ones there, and they would have. It's basically gender neutral, but not really. They would have um, two rooms, and they'd be labeled toilets with stools and toilets with um, stools and urinals. And then there'd be a disabled loo. And I'd always use the disabled loo if I got a chance. If I didn't get the chance, I tend to just go into toilets with stools um, because it still feels gendered. Like it's, it's like people know who the toilets with stools and urinals are for and who the toilets with stools are for. Um, and I always thought it was a myth mm -hmm. that outside of term time, they painted back on the gender. But I was working in Cambridge over the summer and they do they do paint back like the gender. Um, which felt really bad and I went to use them once and didn't really look at it and the disabled loo was closed um so I ended up going into the toilets with stools and only when I was like finishing up washing my hands did I realize oh no they've put back the like women thing um so if someone walks in me now they're just gonna like see a bloke in there um and so it was just like it's really bad this like sort of fake um inclusivity uh <laughs> It was it's completely ridiculous. What is the point? What is the point of every single holiday so painting on the sun? That's so yes, much effort so to go much back. Effort and just to go back in time a hundred years. Inclusive, not inclusive, inclusive. It's so fake. Oh my good god. That's a, that's crazy. And thank really, you really so much for coming on <laughs> and for, for telling us all these things have been so interesting enlightening very enlightening <laughs> my god i hope that we've not made you uncomfortable as well either like i hope that we've um asked respectful questions um yeah because it's, a, it's a very like intimate private topic and so i hope we've not been too like sort of like staring at you onto a laser beam thank you so much for listening this week if you enjoyed this episode or you would like to appear on one we would absolutely love to hear from you you can email us at admin at newslondon.co.uk or more likely you can dm us on our instagram at news underscore ldn and all of these episodes are available to listen to on every single streaming platform out there or can be found along with our blog our gallery and our hype page on www.newslondon.co.uk have a good week